0: Today on Pilgrim Radio's His People, Erica Anderson, on reasons behind some current changes in church youth ministry.
1: Is that the youth group began to be really separate from the larger church. And so people, and I heard this from almost everyone I talked to, Hmm. people would be in the youth group and then when they were done, they never felt like they were actually part of that church and so they wouldn't go to that church. They kind of would just fall off after that.
0: Erica Anderson, next. Today's guest says church youth ministry has matured since she was involved in it as a youth in the 1990s, when the emphasis was typically more on fun and entertainment and hanging out as a group separate from the larger church. Erica Anderson writes for World and Christianity Today magazines and has tackled this subject in her piece, Youth Pastors Ditch Gross-Out Games and Help Student Ministry Grow Up. Erica, why do you want to look into this whole subject of youth ministry?
1: Well, it actually started in a conversation with a friend. And I was also just thinking about, you know, how youth are so quick to leave church. And in in the past, you know, many times youth would leave after high school, but they would come back. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing that's not happening as much. And so like, what's going on? How can we keep people? And I was talking to a friend, and she said, actually, that's what my husband does. He works for an organization that, you know, works to strengthen youth ministry and and kind of improving that whole sphere. And I was like, Oh, story idea, you know, <laughs> so I immediately, you know, when I, we were on a trip, I got home, I said, Hey, can I talk to your husband? So I started by interviewing him, who's in the article, he works for youth worker, uh, which is in Canada, and then I just pitched the idea, and I was like, I think this is really important, and they agreed. And, um, you know, I wanted to explore what's changed about youth ministry since I was in youth group in the 90s, and hopefully, how are we um, pivoting to accommodate the culture and what's been happening?
0: Mm. Youth group culture since uh, the 90s and early 2000s has certainly changed uh, now compared to then. How has it changed? What was it like then, and, and what do you see just sort of preliminarily as the changes?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people may not realize this, but um, youth group really wasn't a thing until the 80s. The youth were, um, you know, just integrated into the regular church before that. I mean, what it, the youth movement kind of started with um, Youth for Christ and like Billy Graham in the 50s and 60s. Um, and then it sort of gained momentum. People saw, oh, Youth for Christ is doing this. Maybe we should be doing things within our church. And so that it kind of started to develop then. But it wasn't until really like maybe the late 70s, early 80s that youth group became a thing within mm-hmm. churches. And then once we hit the 90s, it had started to kind of reach its peak where, you know, it's like, you know became this culture of entertainment and it, and like you know there was began to be like festivals and conferences and i remember just playing all kinds of just games like chubby bunny uh one of the guys in the articles mentions you know being dared to drink a uh, happy meal that was blended up mm. lots of like oh dares and things like that but it's like and it's you know it's kind of about trying to be entertaining but it seemed like the entertainment portion took over some of the gospel side of things. And a lot of that didn't keep people sticking. But the other part, not just that, is that the youth group began to be really separate from the larger church. And so people, and I heard this from almost everyone I talked to, Hmm. people would be in the youth group. And then when they were done, they never felt like they were actually part of that church. And so they wouldn't go to that church. They kind of would just fall off after that. Um, And one of the most alarming statistics, and this was just recent, was that When the pandemic started, I want to say it was something like only 10% of youth said they heard directly from the youth pastor uh, Mm. after the pandemic started and churches shut down. And I was like, ooh, that is bad news. Like, something's wrong here. We're doing our youth wrong.
0: Certainly the idea of the gross-out games and the the blending the Happy Meal and there are other ones like that, the idea was uh, to get the kids in the church door to appeal to them. Did it do that? Did it get kids to come to church that might have not otherwise come?
1: Yeah, I think it did. But it's like if it if it doesn't long term lead them to Christ, it's like, what's the point? It's kind of like, you know, when you think about maybe big, big churches that are bringing people in and droves because of the entertainment. But like how many of those people are actually committed Christians and discipling others and being discipled and actually bearing fruit Um, numbers don't mean much if they don't result in anything. And so I think there was a lot of that in the nineties. Again, I'm always very, um, sort of compassionate with ministry leaders in any space because it's hard and they're doing the best they can. Mm -hmm. And most people are just people that want people to know Jesus. And they, you know, they thought, Hey, this is a way to do it. But as time went on, what you would find is that most of these kids that were a part of these kinds of youth groups did not stick inside their faith. And the couple few reasons uh, that were determined for that by all the people I talked, it's so funny because I talked to people from like five or six different places and they all like had the same Hmm. conclusions. Um, Number one was not, like I said, not being integrated into the larger church. Number two, um, there was very little discipleship. Um, It was really like the youth pastor and that's it. um, When they really needed to have A lot of other volunteers in there. They need an intergenerational type of discipleship. So, how can we get other members of the church to be involved? How can we get them to be involved in other ministries in the church? Whether it's like tech, sound, you know, volunteering, getting involved, that sort of thing. Um, the third would would have been parental involvement, which is the most important and was completely ignored. Mm. Um, we know now, due to really great research done by a lot of people, um, which I do reference in that article, that the parental involvement is like crucial for people. Hmm. And so now youth ministries are working to better communicate with parents and make sure they know what's going on. And like, cause that what happens at home and the conversations that happen at home that carry over are the most impactful and influencing. And so if you don't have Christian parents at home, it's harder Um, I mean, that doesn't mean it's a lost cause, but, um, getting the parents to be a part of this is important. And then, um, the other thing was, oh, the handoff. So from high school to college. So it used to be like, oh, okay. High school's over. Like, bye. You know, there was no, right. What's next. You know, there's no checking in. Um, and so now I think, um, uh, Shane Pruitt heads up the GenSend, which is which is sort of a organization within the N- North American Mission Board that is serves to train and connect youth ministers with college leaders and vice versa. So that when a child is leaving a youth group and going off to college or whatever, like that youth minister is able to potentially get in touch with that person in the college town. He's able to recommend a church, like get them plugged in, so they're not just like. Showing up totally empty handed and unsure of what to do. So it's providing a lot more guidance, hands on direction, and really getting them plugged into relationships. And that is a big element that was missing.
0: That's interesting. Uh, In your article, you use uh, the phrase, I think it was you, that the idea of the high school and the college uh, ministry leaders talking together can enable uh, the high school youth church youth group but worker but even the uh, the middle school one to kind of mm-hmm. uh, if you will reverse engineer things to yes. a- aim them toward college understanding what they're going to face in college and can begin to prepare them bridging that critical gap between high school and college
1: yeah definitely and i think i don't think i really wrote about this much but this is really important so i'll say it apologetics yeah. needs to be inside of youth groups i never had it at all in youth group it's more important than ever now i actually heard a guy on a podcast the other day, and he's an apologetics pastor, and he was like, "I think every church needs an apologetics pastor." And I was like, "I think that too, uh, because people don't understand their faith and they don't know how to defend their faith, and so when they come up against questions, as they will in college and young adulthood, they feel like they don't have a place to stand, and that's not necessary because there's so much there is so much evidence for our faith that nobody should be uninformed once they hit college. They should know this stuff if they've been going to church."
0: So that is a a critical piece in preparing kids to make that that move into college, to to prepare them for the kinds of things uh, so that they're not blindsided, if you will.
1: Yeah, because, you know, it's, and you know this, I'm sure, that kids come across things as they reach college age that, you know, they think this is totally mind-blowing information, but really these are questions that people have been asking since jesus walked the earth and it's nothing new and like there's plenty of evidence to refute some of this stuff and conversations to be had it's not new you're not special and they we they don't need to be surprised by it
0: Well, my guest today on his people is Erica Anderson, and she is a writer for both uh, World Magazine and Christianity Today. We're talking about a Christianity Today piece, really insightful one, Youth Pastors Ditch Gross-Out Games and Help Student Ministry Grow Up. And you you, uh, cite somebody named Jeremy Angbers in your article, uh, Erica, and I'm wondering if you could tell us about him and and what is it that uh, he's doing or saying?
1: Yeah, um, so he was somebody that I uh, kind of just found on Twitter, you know, uh, yeah. doing research for this, like, hey, who, who wants to talk to me that's a youth pastor? And I think he said some, many of the same things that others said, um, which is that, like, yeah, he, he knows the 90s youth group culture and how, I mean, clearly not all of us who are part of it uh, left because I'm still very strong in my faith. Uh, you know, so not everybody, but I also had the parental influence, and a lot of other good things going for me. Um, but he's operating his youth group um, to be part of, you know, the larger church and to be um, getting kids plugged in, to have more um, adult volunteers that are willing to step in and like that's their ministry. Um, that is really important. And I think the thing about discipleship, which is so missing from so many churches, is that it it, it is a difficult thing because you can't just be like, assigning people to other people. Um, But it requires time and just sort of letting the Holy Spirit move and hanging out and seeing who kind of jives with one another. And so I think that is an intentional effort. I don't know if he's doing that specifically, but as something that just came to mind in terms of how you sort of navigate that idea.
0: And I don't know if it was uh, Jeremy Engbers, particularly, Erica, or if it was uh, something that you were um, commenting on in, in your piece, but the idea that, as you're kind of explaining here, that in the 90s and the early 2000s, and I would imagine somewhat before that, that the church youth groups typically used to operate almost as sort of autonomous groups within the church. They had their scheduling, their programming and some of them probably still operate this way, of course, uh, within the church, but but also at the same time kind of separated or segregated from the broader church. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that is that fair to say that that's just that was just kind of the paradigm? Maybe it still yeah. is. Yeah,
1: I mean, even some churches. One of the girls I talked to, like her church, used to have actual youth group meet during the regular church service, and they decided to totally nix that. They're like, we realized people weren't actually going to church, um, and so I, I. But I remember even as a kid. Um, we didn't have that, but our youth group, I think was on Sunday nights, but a lot of those kids, they were never there on Sunday mornings. They were only involved in the youth group. And uh, honestly, I remember the kids in my youth group being like really like making bad choices in life at that time. Um, And so I don't know if it was how much of an influence it was having on them. um, But I think this idea of integration and like making sure that you're having church-wide activities and that you're giving them a reason to interact with the rest of the body, um, however you can do that is, I think, really critical. In Because if you think about it, it's like if I always have this visual of a person like sort of floating out into space. And like you want to have like all these connections of people that sort of ground them so they feel that they have this support, they have people to go to, they have people to talk to. Um, and the more that you can have of that, the more trusted, loving adults in a kid's life, no matter what age, the better chance they have of, of so many various statistics as they grow into adulthood.
0: Well, it's interesting, and as we talk, the, these these uh, dots will be connected more and more. But is at least uh, part of what you're saying this this often quoted statistic of this large percentage of kids that once they leave church in high school, once they leave high school and they move on to college, sometimes move away to college or sometimes not, but that that such a large percentage end up leaving the church, is the idea somewhat here, suggested that having been segregated from the main church, that when they uh, get older, they haven't really felt a part of the church. And so it's not like they're leaving the church, they never really felt a part of it.
1: Yeah, they never really felt a part of it, and they never understood the reason behind it, which is, I mean, that is a little bit of a take to my book, Reason to Return, which I kind of realized as I was writing it that most people or many Christians don't really understand the why behind church, why God created it, why it matters, why we go. And when you don't know why to you do something, it's a lot harder to stay committed to it. And so that's one thing I wanted to do in my book is talk about Why does this even matter that we go to church? Um, And I think along with the apologetics, that's something that can be taught. I mean, when you teach apologetics, you talk about that because that's part of it. Um, But and that's part of like learning theology and like, what does this whole faith mean? And so um, I think it's, yeah, two two different things there that we could be doing to ground them and to just, you know, sort of get into their heads like, hey, I know you're leaving for college. You're not going to be here anymore, but here's why. It's really important that you're plugged into a church because X, Y, and Z. Um, and there's so, I mean, if you're going to a normal like state college or whatever, there's so many great ministries on campus. There's no reason not to be finding ways to kind of hand them off and get them involved.
0: Heather Kinnison, another youth Mm -hmm. worker. Uh, These uh, examples, we talked about Jeremy Engbers and now Heather Kinnison. I think she's involved, or she's a youth director at a Methodist church, but she Mm -hmm. has kind of discovered similar things, maybe slightly different, but can you talk about what it is that that she found and what her church uh, is doing?
1: She was the church that, uh, that had met during the service with her youth group, and they changed that a few years ago, and she's actually been there for like nine years. And what they have discovered, and I believe they either meet after church now or later in the day on Sunday is they do kind of small groups rather than one big youth group. They do kind of small groups and then they have a monthly event with the full group. Um, And she said that's been really good because it allows for like deeper conversation and people get to know each other better. And so I liked that idea. I hadn't really heard that so much, but I think like sort of a hybrid style, like if I were making decisions about a youth group, a hybrid style might be the way to go because it's like, I think kids today, there's so much serious stuff Mm -hmm. that is coming down on them. I feel like in a way that it wasn't so, when I was in high school, it was, you know, it was more sort of up here, but now cultural, political issues are so tangible on social media and so talked about in such a blatant, overt way that I think kids really need more time and space to make sense of things. And so we have to be understanding that, like, yes, we want entertainment and the gospel, but also we need time to process and all of that. And so I think that would be a great model for people if they're looking for some way to sort of switch things up.
0: It sounds like there's just the belief or the understanding that the kids need scripture, they need uh, to be taught the Bible. And I mean, certainly okay to have fun, but if, if it's to the exclusion of, of, uh, of learning the scriptures and of worshiping God, um, may, maybe it's not that helpful.
1: I don't know about you, but like when I was in youth group, it was, you know, here's a Bible verse here and there, sure. Uh, it was never really presented in the full context of the whole story of the Bible, which is so important because obviously people pull verses out of context all the time, you can make them mean whatever you want, if you're not looking into the full context of the Bible, which you have to read the Bible that way, again, something else I don't ever really remember hearing a whole lot about when I was growing up. So I'm I'm very intent on teaching my kids that. Um, but yeah, I think we need to get the Bible back front and center, the gospel back front and center, um, God back front and center. a um, so obviously a me culture, me generation, and we do want to focus on ourselves some, um, but not forgetting that the whole point of all of this is not us. Um, I think that's what I see a lot in people that are sort of leaving religion or leaving church. It's, it's sort of all about like them not being happy or something like that. And it's like, okay, well, but let's step back here. Like why do we do this in the first place? You have to look at things in a much bigger light. Um, So however you approach that with a younger group, (laughs) that should be, I think, top of mind.
0: Well, we've been talking, of course, about church ministry, church youth ministry, but there's also the the massive uh, parachurch youth ministry, whether it's Youth for Christ or there's there's numerous other ones. And and I think you write at least to some extent in your piece that youth ministry parachurch organizations have kind of been noticing these same sort of trends that we've been talking about just in the church-related ministry context.
1: Yeah. And I, I love the parachurch ministries. I, I was definitely involved in them in college. I was in crew and mm-hmm. went on trips with them and they were very helpful for me at that time. I also think that it's important to distinguish between parachurch and real church uh, because I think parachurch is one thing and it's good, but I think every person needs to be connected to a local church body and um, because it is different there's a different commitment level there's a different uh sort of vibe there uh for and and that's where god calls us like you know parachurch is extra but we should be members of a local church so that we can serve in the way that we were intended to serve sort of have that grounding that's supposed to be sort of your home base
0: well I want to ask you uh, our, our time is going quickly but I want to ask you to about a portion uh, very interesting and you say it's certainly changed from what it was in the 90s and early 2000s to now that is the emphasis on to some extent including uh, or emphasizing parents the role of parents in church youth ministry can you talk about what's going on there
1: Yeah well I mean starting even from kindergarten we could talk about this because you know, studies will tell you that if a kid goes to church their whole life but their parents don't go and they're not talking to their kid, it is it has a very low influence on mm-hmm. them. Um that's not always true. And I would always say go to church rather than not go to church. Um, but the parental involvement, parents, this is obvious, but parents have like the most influence by far on a kid of any age. And so um it is so important to get that information out there to parents to say, like, you can't just send your kid to church and then like, never talk about this at home. Um, this has to be just like, you're trying to teach them to eat healthy. Just like you're trying to teach them to take care of themselves and clean up and be polite and become a good person. Like you have to teach them also how to have a spiritual life and how to be a person of faith. And that's why parents are the chief disciplers of their kids. They should be number one. Um, And there are lots of books out there about that, that you could buy on how to make it work. I know I've read some of them. Maybe one day I'll write one. (laughs) But, um, you know, and as they get older, it's harder. Teenagers are, I don't have them yet. I will have them, but they're hard. And I see people all the time that are looking for resources. And I know there's more and more resources coming out. But parents cannot, their influence in this cannot be uh, overestimated
0: prominent in this discussion or kind of just right in the background is that, uh, again, as I mentioned several minutes ago, that oft-quoted statistic of, I forget what it is, but a, a very high percentage of kids, once they leave high school that were involved in church at one point attend uh, not to continue or not to return whatever the case is and and this article is definitely getting right to that and factors which determine whether or not an adult child remains in the faith or, or remains involved in church authors of a book called handing down the faith you see identified three factors in determining that uh... at least their research finds determining whether an adult child remains active mm-hmm. what are those uh, factors
1: i know one of them was um was the how often they went to church like how active they were in their faith community the second one was i the level of faith like how active the parents faith was yeah and the third one um is is the amount of spiritual conversations that people have at home so kind of like i i kind of liken it to this because i've heard this about like you know, you hear people like, oh, you have to have the sex talk or whatever. Well, what I've heard best advice on that is you don't have one talk. You have, you know, thousands of one minute conversations Mm -hmm. over many years. And I think it's the same thing with spirituality. I think parents should be finding ways to integrate those little moments, those little bits of conversation into everyday life. Um, And at first you have to be really intentional about it. I know that's i've lived it um but it begin it begins to become more natural and it actually will improve your own faith life so much because you're thinking about god in a much more intentional way um and so how can you insert those moments into that you're watching something on tv how, what does this say about god or you see something in nature or you hear you know there's something that happened at school like there's always a way to bring that conversation back to faith and it's not about telling kids what to think it's honestly usually more about asking them questions and helping them be curious and you want them to be critical thinkers and to figure this stuff out on their own we don't want to indoctrinate them we want them to learn how to think for themselves and to uncover the truth as you know as they get older so that um they really are strong in their faith that's sort of the problem is people you know, it used to be just, it was told to you, it was told to you, it was told to you. Mm. And I'm like very pro let's get back to critical thinking and let's get back to like evidence and truth and all of this stuff. Let's, let's teach kids how to th- Find the answers instead of telling them the answers.
0: Mm. And for the youth workers themselves, the church ministry youth workers, there's also a, a move to strengthen them in, in their ministry. And the, the focus, at least somewhat, from this previous youth ministry culture was maybe more on the uh, on the charismatic leader or the the hip kind of a, a and not necessarily that that's. That's wrong, or that's gone away. But but the emphasis seems to be increasingly on strengthening them in their their faith and their ability to teach to teach the faith.
1: I think that was really the almost like the original sentiment when I had this idea, because I was like, who's teaching these youth pastors? These twenty two year old youth pastors Mm -hmm. that are coming in and teaching the high school students? Do they even know what they're talking about? How do we know that they are prepared? Now I think most of them have. Probably gone to seminary or something. I don't know what the requirements are. Probably different depending on your denomination or your church. Yeah. Um. But you know, how are we keeping them resource? Like, what's out there to continue building them up and making sure they are well informed and making sure? I mean, they need disciplers. Like, they need support. Like the the larger church needs to surround them. We all need that as Christians. Just like the pastor of your church needs to has his support group for mental health and for his um discipleship. So nobody gets out of that. And also just like I say this a lot about big bigger church. Um, you know, I, I think that the pastor sometimes has become too too much, too big. We need more than the pastor. It's not just about him. We need other people preaching sometime. We need other people up there on stage. Um, And so I think the same thing would go for youth groups. Like we need other volunteers. We need other adults in the room um, because different people are gonna speak to different people. We need different experiences. Um, and all of that. So I think that's really key.
0: Well, you talked about that in, in your piece. I don't know if we got into that too much today, but that, that emphasis on mentoring relationships inside the church with, with kids and then all, inviting them in not only to attending or being involved in the uh, church service of the regular church, but actually serving yeah. inside the context of the broader church.
1: Yeah, that was something, I can't remember who I was talking to, one of the guys I interviewed, he was like, yeah, we try to sort of, you know, get them to volunteer, and you know, okay, he's going to help with sound on Sunday morning, but it's not really that we necessarily really need his help on sound, but he's learning, he's working with the sound guy, and we have spoken with the sound guy about, okay, let's really try to make a relationship out of this, like, let's try to make a meaningful time that you're spending together, because when you're I mean, honestly, the best kind of bonding time, and a lot of people understand this, you you make some of your best friends sometimes at work because you're there, you're doing something together. Um, and there's just things just come up when you're working, you're doing something and you're not just meeting for coffee. And, and it can almost be more meaningful because it's so it comes up so randomly.
0: This was mentioned earlier in your piece, Eric, I know I have to let you go here in a minute, but this, th- this seems so counterintuitive to what most of us have believed for years that research finds that there isn't a clear correlation between kids who attended youth group or went on mission trips and the strength of their faith later in life. I think we would usually think those, those kind of things would, would have quite a bearing, but a, a research is finding not, not necessarily so.
1: On the mission trip front, w- one person I talked to actually said that that did help, and then another person said it didn't. So maybe that's up in the air. Okay. Um. But especially, but for youth groups specifically, I guess if we just stay on that, um, yeah, you would think that, right? But as it turns out, and all of this great research has been done, it is so much more about those other things, especially the family things, um, and the relationship and all of that. It's it's not. It's not a straight line and we have to be thinking about it holistically. It's hard when you have a kid that maybe is in a family that just isn't interested in that. But I think in that case, that's why we, I think that's why youth pastors then have to be really sort of in the know about what's going on with these kids. And maybe we invest more in that kid. Maybe we put uh, more effort into making sure that he is discipled and reached out to, because if you have a church family that's doing it, that's not no family. Um, It's not the same. It's not as powerful, but I do think that it will make a difference.
0: Any summary thought as we, as we wrap up today? Any final uh, words of encouragement about youth ministry, uh, church youth ministry, anything you'd want to, want, last thought you'd want to leave in our minds?
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, everyone, this matters to everyone, because if you're part of a church, there are youth in your church, and it doesn't matter if you're a parent, like, we need you. And there are so many kids that don't have enough adults in their life to be guiding them. So I would say pray about it and be on the lookout for who God wants you to be um, influencing, uh, because I guarantee you we all have a part to play in that. So this matters for
0: you too. You've been listening to His People on Pilgrim Radio. Many thanks to today's guest, journalist Erica Anderson, author of the piece Youth Pastors Ditch, Gross Out Games, and Help Student Ministry Grow Up. You can read it by going to ChristianityToday.com. Thanks for listening, and I hope you can join us again on Monday at this same time for another edition of His People.